risen, you visited me when you spoke to the disciples. When I was hungry, you fed me when I needed clothes. You clothed me when I was homeless. You 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 uh, took me in, and when I was in prison, uh, I mean, when I was in the hospital, you visited me. And so they said, when did I do that? He said, when you did it to the least one of mine. And we, as political prisoners, we are considered uh, the black sheep for holding it down for our people, basically. And uh, how could they walk off and just leave us, you know, when we have labored for years for, for the independence of our people, who've been dominated, politically exploited, economically segregated, demeaned, and humiliated? You know, we've struggled to unite to get our people free from the shackles, the chains of the oppressor, as well as suppression. And uh, here we go in 2022, still fighting voter suppression. And uh, there's nothing greater in our people's minds than to have us to move um, towards a higher destiny. And in order to move towards a higher destiny, a lot of these churches that are building and, and mosques and various other religions that are building these million-dollar buildings, you know, and standing uh, before people in front of a camera, uh, they need to dig deep, you know, and get some of them lawyers out of there. Uh, big Superdome churches and, and mosques and things and, and come and, and get political prisoners who have uh, gave their lives for our people out of prison. Mm. They need to have a team of, of, of people that visit. They need to have a team of people that that uh, do food drives and make sure that a political prisoner is never hungry. That's what it's all about. It's not about religion. It's about spiritual spirituality as well as um, being down for the cause. Like, which puts me in the mind of this man. He he was my mother's supervisor. His name was Reverend McCree. He was a atheist at the time, and uh, my mother uh, used to talk to him about the struggle. And my my uncle Kamal Sadiqi, who was a Black Panther at the time, on the run, and so on. And um, basically, he ended up giving his life to. The Lord and what He did was He bought streets full of houses, and uh, He got a team of people, and they would go out and get people that was homeless off the street and uh, put them in an apartment with uh, other people that would like counsel them, that would uh, make sure that they ate and took care of their hygiene addicts that were recovering. He would uh go get them, they would also go to the courthouses and they had such a uh, good uh, rapport with the courts that they was releasing people in their custody and uh, basically uh, th th he did so much for the community that they made a street after him. He's dead now, he died very young, but I'm saying that's what it's really about, like going to get our people that's what we have done, political prisoners. Of we have lost our freedom because we fought for injustice and we was fighting for the equality of our people, and and that seems to be a a uh, lost cause in our community. And they need to wake up and, and smell the coffee because basically, um, when you're you're neglecting us, then you're neglecting um. Uh, God, and I feel like they're going to hell with gasoline drawers. I mean, not to, not to like criticize, but I'm saying like, you can't say that you love God and, and you love your people that, that have football numbers. You know, exactly. I, I don't mean to cut you off, sister, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We have to have some self-criticism of ourselves and those who profess to be on a righteous cause. Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, our forefathers' um, dream was getting us out of the bosom of slavery and coming off the whipping post and, and lynching post. You know, I heard a, a, a white 
lady this morning. She was in the kitchen, and I think she was trying to take shots at me because I was the only black person in there. Normally, I usually announce um, anything concerning our people, like history. But I didn't say anything about um, the uh, first black um, female that uh, became the um, justice in the highest court in the U.S. Um, because I didn't feel like I had to. And so um, she said, yeah, now this lady is a straight up racist. And um, she said, yeah, nobody didn't say nothing about the um, first black um, justice, you know, in the, the United States. They're not talking about that. But I didn't say anything because I felt like, why should I have to make a grandiose announcement about that? When in fact, they should be embarrassed that it is the first justice in 2022 that's a black female. That is a disgrace to this American race, basically. And um, I wasn't, uh, I feel like being that our forefathers built this country, they have an obligation to us, and especially to the political prisoners. We have political prisoners that are so sick and dying. Mumia Abu Jamal, he's been in prison so long they thought he'd be dead.
that they give political prisoners in prison is designed to kill you. Okay, they're not. I wasn't even a diabetic until I came to prison. Now mm. I take I take about fifteen pills a day. Oh wow! I'm a diabetic. Yes, diabetic. Mm. I have high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. I had asthma already. Um, and I have bad allergies that I had. I had allergies, but I never had yeah. allergies like I do now. Yeah. And then I have. Lord. 
them. Therefore, they really don't want to educate them because they want them to come back. Because yeah, they know statistics yeah. show that prisoners who become educated while in prison, recidivism rate is very low. So uh, you know how the enemy going to deal with that. Like an enemy does. Yeah, I just before before you go, I just want to say that um, if somebody is part of a faith, um, we need to we need to hold them accountable regarding uh, accountability. So just uh, uh, briefly make a closing statement on uh, their accountability if they claim to be a part of a faith. If you are, uh, uh, you claim to be a part of a faith, especially if you are a leader, then you are held accountable to. to uh, reach out and touch all political prisoners. Start visiting them. Get them lawyers. Raise money for for political prisoners. Uh, get them food, clothing. Uh, write them. They don't want to just hear hi, how you doing. Uh, we need help. So if you are really a God fearing person, then allow God to use you and be that real person of God and, and, and do the right thing. You're free.
go by uh, convoluted, a reverse um, interpretation of what the, uh, the, 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 the the devices and the virtues are. You know, the satanic virtues are crime, the, the, the torture, uh, pride, savagery, you know, and, and these type of things. And these are the principles that these satanic people go by. And the beef they got with these folks out here in America, they call themselves all upright and righteous, the U.S. government, is that they do it, they live by the same satanic principles. So um, people who struggle against them are doing a righteous struggle. You know, um, they're standing up against some devils, you know, and um, we should really support support people who um, put their lives on the line for us, their lives and their freedom and sacrifice everything for us. You know, um, like Brother Jill also has said to Frank, is that um, the founders of all the major religions, you understand, stood up against the oppressors. Jesus stood up against the Roman Empire. You know, um, you know, he was a political person, a political prisoner. You know, Moses stood up against uh, uh, an oppressor, an oppressive system. You know, and um, you know, uh, Allah. Allah, you know, liberated him from that situation, you know, and also in Islam, the early history of Islam is Islam stood up against an oppressor, you know, um, the oppressor, the pagan Arabs, you understand, had great big beef, you understand, use the words of our terminology that we understand, had beef with those who practiced and preached monotheism, you know, these were pagan Arabs, they were polytheists, and they hated the monotheism the Prophet Muhammad, so along with Islam and his followers, were, uh, were teaching and preaching, you understand? So they oppressed them and persecuted them for 13 years. Allah gave the Prophet Muhammad and his followers permission to fight back, and they had successful military operations against these pagans. The Battle of Al-Badah, you understand, outnumbered 300 to 1,000. You understand? They overcame the oppressor. You understand? They defeated, they, they pumped the Roman Empire, the most the most powerful military uh, uh, in the world at that time. They pumped them at the uh, Taboot Expedition. You understand? Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had information that the Romans were preparing to attack the Muslims. You know, uh, this is the, that was a, a the um, the meaning of the uh, Quran chapter nine twenty nine, which the um, enemies, the, the reactionaries, they like to cite that it says that it says to fight all uh, non-Muslims. But that ain't what it's about. It was preparatory to fight the Roman Empire. You understand? So the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him put an army together. You know, um, and the uh, and, and, and uh, made the trap. You understand? To the enemy. The enemy pumped out the, the, the most powerful army in the world at the time. Pumped. You understand? Because they knew of the fighting, the, the, the fighting prowess of the Muslims. Allah tells the, uh, the, the, the Hadith says that um, the, those who engage in the struggle against the enemy, you understand, that if they are killed, they will have 72, 72 virgins in paradise. And this is something that the enemy, they love to talk about that. They love to criticize that. You see, Ibn Abbas, who was a great scholar, said that anytime that in Islam we talk about the hereafter, by necessity, it has to be metaphorical because there's no human language that can explain the, the hereafter. So these statements about the hereafter are all metaphorical and the enemy, these these reactionaries, they criticize it, but they're talking about something they have absolutely no knowledge about because no one can know anything about the hereafter because there's no human language that can give a true picture of the hereafter. We just give a language to, to get a hint of it, you know. And uh, this particular uh, hadith, you understand, was part of that which gave the Muslim warriors the high 
stop them, you understand? And they became very, very powerful, you know, you understand, through this faith of the law. You know, if uh, let me see if this thing is still here. Um Bismillah uh, Quran four, chapter four, um verse one thirty-five says, Oh believers, stand firm for justice as witnesses for Allah, even if it's against yourselves, your parents, or close relatives, be they rich or poor, Allah is best to ensure the interests. So do not let desires cause you to deviate from justice. If you distort the testimony or refuse to give it, then know that Allah is constantly, constantly all aware of what you do. Okay, so, uh, you know, there was a one point in there, you know, to remind me of Ramadan when I read, when I read it, it say, you know, do not let your, your, your desires take over. So, during the fast of Ramadan, the, the desires, you understand, the enemy will, will want to uh, use terrorism to play on our desires to save our own skin, you understand, to make us collaborators, you understand, to make us choosers, you know, to make us traitors, you understand, to make us have a uh, type of, uh, uh, to go around talking about all you got to do is pray, you understand, and, uh, you know, be a Muslim, you know, you ain't got to engage in this social, spiritual, and political activity, but religion covers all that, you know, the political, the, 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 the way the people relate to people, you understand, oh, the oppression, the injustice, you know, the crimes against humanity that the people uh, commit against one another, you know, all that comes within the realm of religion and uh, religion, what religion deal, deals with, you know, um, and there's been uh, uh, many successful campaigns against uh, American and European colonizers. You know, I'm going to go through a few of them real quick. You know, um, we'll give you some reference to look up. Uh, look up in your spirit and I'll write this down. Dr. Rudolf Balaware. This brother is a scholar, an expert in this, the history of Islam in Africa. You know, look this brother up. I'm going to say it again. Dr. Rudolf well, look his stuff up. You know, uh, he gives a very, very detailed history of Islam standing up against injustice in Africa. You know, some of these reactionaries, black and white reactionaries, you know, they like to uh, erase the role of Islam in standing against oppressors, standing against against slavers. You know, they want to erase that history. You know, but indeed. Uh, there was a rich history of Africans standing against slavery. You know, uh, the uh, Senegal River Valley, there was a, a revolution against slavery that lasted um, 150 years, starting in the late 1700s, led by Abdel uh, Kale Khan. You dig? And, um, you know, there was a very, uh, uh, this very, very um, honorable. Very, very uh, intense, you know, a very, very beautiful history of Islam, you know, standing, you know. Um, there had been an interpretation by the reactionary colonizers that said uh, religion is to tell the slaves that you should be good slaves, you know, that you should not stand up uh, against, your, uh, against your slave master, you know. But, um, you know, Islam came with the concept that oppression and slavery is a crime, a crime against humanity that we must stand and fight against, you know. So uh, the brother that I just mentioned, uh, Dr. Uh, Rudolf Blauer, wrote a book called The Quran in Chains. Uh, and uh, chapter three of that book, you know, gave, gives a detailed history of the revolution, the revolution, the Islamic revolution against slavery in Africa. And his other uh, videos he does, he, he does a longer presentation, you know, uh, I don't check that, like I said, yeah, chapter three of that book, you know, uh, talks about this um, uh, uprising of Muslims against slavery. Okay, uh, something else that you can look at, um, look at the movie Lion of the Desert. Lion of the Desert uh, is the, um, the, 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 the narrative about the Muslims standing up 
against uh, the Italian. Yeah, that was the Italian. Okay, that was the Italian. Okay, the Italian oppressor. Um, uh, uh, the Battle of Algiers is another film on YouTube that you can look up that talks about standing up against the French. The French, they were some of the worst oppressors in the world. Yes. You know, and one thing, a point on that, you understand, in terms of morality, is that the the French feared the, 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 the Muslim the way the Muslim women dressed, the niqabs, the Muslim women, they feared that more than they feared the bullets the men were shooting because they knew when they found morality in women, they found stiff resistance in men. And the women play a central role in a society overcoming its appetites, its lower beastly animal desires. You understand? The type of thing which uh, makes it easy to oppress the people. You understand? When you got a culture, you talk about shake your behind, you know, fornicate, you know, have adultery and all this type of stuff. You got a culture like that. You got people who are weak, you understand? Who do not have strength to stand up against anything they spiritual. Anything, you know what I'm saying? It takes, it takes your man, it emasculates the men. You know so I mean just look at America. You know, you don't see these cats and listen to this uh shake your behind music. They're not standing up for nothing. They ain't never stood up for nothing. You know, uh but but, but people who love the law, people who love God, you understand, know throughout the centuries, you know, uh in every major religion, they stood up, you know, fearlessly, you know. And have conquered the enemy, you understand, and you know, um, and made Allah's word trample the word of the enemy into dust. Very important, powerful words, and I think that that's very important that we understand what you just laid out, especially if you are a person of a particular faith and you being a devout Muslim and a former political prisoner, you understand the power of Islam and uh, those who are of Christian faith. You know, I think of uh, 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 Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and the, the trials and tribulation that he had to endure and the fact that he was able to um, make the impact that he was, you know, until his untimely death at the hands of an assassin uh, because he took a position. And um, as I studied and prepared for this, uh, this episode, I realized that this theology, this uh, liberation theology, needs to be the theology of anybody who professes to um, be a person of faith because it addresses the social conditions and it addresses the fact that those who were taking a position at the time that these books were written, um, when they took a position, they were met with force, right? So regardless of how you want to label the, the system of corruption, the oppressor, whether you want to uh, identify it as a Satan system or something other than that, you still have to uh, be responsible for your reaction to it, whether uh, you vote, whether you organize, but you have to do something, right? You have to take a position. You're either part of the solution or part of the problem. That's something that I grew up hearing, and as I become an adult, it's under I understood that I had to really apply to my life, being a father, being an organizer, being a participant in an organization that's uh, struggling for um human rights internationally and um we have to take position and we can't um be sidestepping we can't acting like be acting like um that there's no position to take because there's only one of two positions to take either with the people or against them and i think that this episode is very important because it gives people that time to um focus on the idea of what is my position relating to what's going on uh currently and um, in the book, in my studies, um, it, it talked about uh, clarification, self-clarification. Be clear with yourself. Now, when we talk about political prisoners, we have sympathy for all, all, all openness who are incarcerated because we understand the systemic issue. We understand the tactics and the strategies of our oppressor. But when we talk about political prisoners, they're separating them from regular prisoners because prior to their incarceration, they were involved 
in political change. They were involved in actually doing the organizing, doing the, the carrying out of daily duties like uh, Brother Kamal Siddiqui with the Black Panther Party and then later on with the Black Liberation Army. They were responsible for uh, their people moving forward. They took a definitive position. And so that's why we separate them from regular prisoners because, well, from other prisoners, they're all prisons, right? So we separate them from prisoners because we want people to understand that this is uh, a design. This is a deliberate tactic by the oppressor. As we understand COINTELPRO, counterintelligence program uh, spearheaded by John, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, we understand that that was to combat any organization that was going to uh, present an idea, a concept. Uh, in their own words, they would say the rise of a black messiah. So they wanted to uh, attack that. And so we understand that this is a deliberate tactic. It happened then. They got caught back then. And, uh, you know, they disclosed some of the information. There's a campaign working on to get all that information out because we know that if we get all that information out, we can use it to bring our political prisoners home, our freedom fighters home, and our, our liberators home. And that's why it's important that we start, we study, we, we pay attention to what's going on, and we write our political prisoners, and we do our part. Somebody, somewhere can do something. And anything that you do can really help us and, and take this work a longer way. So if you're in Queensbridge, you see me, take a few minutes to talk to me. If you happen to be in Brooklyn, you see my brother, he got the oils. Uh, talk to him. Ask him about what you can do, um, and he'll talk to you, and you exchange contacts, and we'll keep you posted about what we're doing next. Um, there's more work to be done. We're doing our part here. We ask that you stay tuned. Uh, continue to um, pass this on. You know, we're coming to a close with this episode. I think everything was settled, was stated rather. And uh, But my brother, Abdulha, he got some more words to say before we uh, sign off. Uh, yeah, brothers, I was talking so fast. It was something I wanted to mention. Uh, historically, there are struggles that Muslims is involved in against colonizer and you can research these studies. You know, uh, look up the history of the uh, uh, the struggle of the Palestinian people. Look up Al-Nakba, I'll spell it A-N-N-A-K-B-A-H. That is the history of 1947, how the um, Israelis, you understand, the atrocities and the uh, murders they committed stealing land in Palestine. You know, and the Palestinians have been rumbling ever since. So look that up. Also, um, the Islamic revolution in Iran. Now, I don't get into this Shiite Sunni beef, you understand? I don't get into that beef because we got too much beef with the enemy. Mm. You understand? Mm. That's so a that's right? another example of religion, you understand, overthrowing and conquering a system that had been in power for 2,000 years. You understand, an empire, a number of oppressors that have been in power for 2,000 years, you understand, raised up the revolutionary spirit of the people and the military, you understand, and ran these punks out of Dodge, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, look up uh, the um, the battle of the, you know, look up Sudan, Islamic uprising in Sudan, you know, look that up, you know, and um, the brother I mentioned Earlier, look at this stuff. He is available to lecture. So, uh, any of you Muslims, you have know, Muslim communities, the brother I met, Dr. Bilal, Dr. Rudolph Bilal Ware, is available to lecture people on the revolutionary history of Muslims. Me, myself, when I first came into Islam, I came. Uh, uh, I came with a very 
repeat one more time. Dr. Rudolph Balawin. Look him up, you know, and, uh, you know, Muslims and non-Muslims, you know, invite the brothers to come into your midst to give lectures, you understand? And, uh, you know, we're going to continue this struggle, you know, and we're going to win. And you know how we do every time you tune in, we always close out with our brother, uh, our brother, Big Mike, I mean, Killer Mike, Killer Mike, excuse me, Killer Mike. Um, we want you to please share with 10 people and uh, do your part. And um, we'll, we'll see you next Wednesday. What's the call? Free them all. What's the call? Free them all. This is Kathy Hughes of Radio One. She's like, Michael, it is time that you guys organize a fund to set aside to help people who sacrifice for our freedom. Me, we, every time something happens, I hear this. Why don't the gang bangers jump do something? Why don't you kill them? You kill each other. And I say to myself, when is the last time you sent money to Asada Shakur? When is the last time you sent money to Matulu Shakur? When is the last time you sent money to Mami Abu-Jamal or Larry Hoover or Jeff Ford or Leonard Pelter? When is the last time you have made it your business to send money to a revolutionary or a hoodlum that has helped us? And until we start to do that, how can we ask these young men to be warriors? Because if they do it in the name of the hood, at least the hood going to honor their name always. At least the hood going to make sure at least their children got something or their mama's house is looked after as a community. If we're going to ask people to bungee jump for us with no cord, be prepared to take care of them when they get a life sentence. Be prepared to look after their families. See, I don't mind. Let's stop asking more out of people than we would do for ourselves. So what I'd like to see, my dream thing, is to see one million people from the culture dedicate $10 a month. That's $10 million a month, $120 million a year, toward taking care of a civil rights leader who have worked on our behalf and are elderly now and don't have to take care of themselves, like Rosa Parks, whose rent was paid by the owner of, of, of um, Little Caesar's Pizza. We should have had a fund to make sure that she never had to worry about that again in her life. We should have a fund that makes sure money makes it to Asada Shakur. And Matulu Shakur has, has, has legal has legal representation and food. And Leonard Pelcher, who has um, diabetes in jail, can get insulin and taken care of. And until we start doing it, $10 a month is about what you pay on a couple fast food restaurant business. So if a million of us do that for the rest of our life, look at how well we'll be taking care of the people that we're asking to sacrifice on our behalf. I agree. And uh, recently... Before we sign off, we just want to give you a contact information for those who are tuning in for the first time. You know, the Northeast Political Prison Coalition has been founded in 2015 and has done some um, very important, powerful work, been responsible uh, by participating in the freedom of some of our political prisoners. Uh, you know, Jalil Abdul Mota King, uh, Russell Maroon Schultz, uh, and, and um, some others. And uh, we are proud to be a part of that particular work. And we ask that you do your part by, by sharing, sharing this episode. Help us bring more political prisoners home. There's always something that you can do. Because uh, everybody can do something from wherever they at. And let us never forget the sacrifice of That concludes the episode of the Northeast Political Prisoner Coalition, a.k.a. the NEPPC podcast. Uh, please share with as many people as possible. And please uh, consider a donation of $5, a dollar, 
you can cash at me at Safu Sankofa. That's S E F U S A N K O F A. That's in Cash App. You can contact me at 347-679-3936. Again, that's 347-679-3936. Peace.